the dude logic, the place for no holds barred, informative, and entertaining banter. Call it a place for refined barbershop talk. I'm your host, Chris, and I'm in the studio with AJ. What's going on, y'all? We're back for another week, and I'm excited about this episode. Coming off last episode, we got a lot of, a lot of feedback from you guys, both good and bad, you know, but we love it. Either way, just keep talking to us and uh, keep giving us things to talk about on the next episodes to come. And I'm so excited this week because I get to introduce a friend of the show back again one more time. She was so enthralled by the conversation in the last episode that she immediately volunteered to be on the episode again. So everybody who's been listening, Autumn is back. Welcome to the studio. Autumn, how are you doing today? Hi, guys. How are you? Doing all right. I am great. Obviously, I'm in a good mood (laughs) over here wilding. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. But anyway, I'm not gonna waste any more time because I want to get right to what needs to be said, y'all. How about them hawks? What that's right, I Chris, I wasn't gonna talk about it, but I was lying. My hawks are up two to one against Pacers, and I did say last week in the episode that my hawks would win in the first. I did say that. I did say that. Or I might have said it before we were recording. I don't remember. But I said it. <laughs> you said Eight it in the episode. Indiana Pacers can't even hold us. We are up 2-1. What? <laughs> Tried to tell y'all. Autumn, I mean, you love sports. Can you tell all of the world why my Hawks are better than the Pacers? <laughs> uh, other than the fact that the Pacers are just imploding because they completely switched the team around, have no chemistry, and are expecting to make a playoff run. Maybe it's your Oregon player. I'm not really sure what the Hawks' secret is right now. Or that coach that nobody knew was the coach until four days ago. Um, mm-hmm. But I really think it has more to do with the Pacers not being ready than it does with y'all being great. Sorry, AJ. I mean, I'm just going to say the underdog and people – Always underestimate, and they weren't ready for the A-Town. But you know what? We ready. We ready. Oh, my God. For y'all. Yup, A-Town, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Nonsense. (laughs) No, I think Autumn may be on to something today. That it may be the organ player. We need to get your boy Foster on here. (laughs) Hey, man, Foster. Uh, Shout out to Sir Foster. We'll make sure to hit him up on Instagram and Twitter. At Foster. Um, at, uh, wait, hold up. I think. Let me let me check. At him Sir on underscore Foster, I thought it was. Sir underscore Foster, I believe, on Instagram. Make sure we give him the, the proper shout out. Sir underscore Foster, right the Hawks organist. Future Grammy Award winner. Watch it happen. Yep, yep. Yes, sir. Wouldn't he have to record something to be a Grammy Award winner? Does he record? Yes. Are you serious? He was recording before he did that. <laughs> yeah. Was he? He's a, he's a professional musician. He plays organ. He plays piano. He plays sax. Uh, check him out on his YouTube page. Sax. As well. Sir Foster. He has a lot of talents. Go check him out. He's a good friend of the show. We'll definitely have him on the show sooner than later. He's over here blowing up everything. Uh, if you didn't know... He was the official organist for the NBA All-Star Game this year. Yeah. Voted the best organist in the NBA. Yes, sir. 
the Atlanta Hawks organist. Because we, we, we always do it better in Atlanta. People just don't even understand. Wow. Sorry, y'all. I can keep sleeping. Watch when we go ahead and take this championship from Miami and OKC. What? I said it. Wow. All yep. right. <laughs> All yep. I can do is just nod my head. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Like, I know it's hard for you guys to believe being that you're fans of mediocre teams. Whoa, hey, chill out. <laughs> Come on, man. Fan of a dynasty, sir. A dynasty. What? Uh, what's your team, Autumn? Go ahead and tell it. Tell the world. I'm not telling the world right now, but it's a dynasty. T- really? The Eagles? The Lakers? The I'm Lakers? Really? The, the team that didn't make the playoffs? Son. You mean the team that has an Son. aging, arthritic Son. Kobe? We're not Kobe, right go now. home. Just, just, just go live the rest of your life in luxury. AJ, right now, uh, friends, don't do this. All right, because you're being mean. You're being weird. Anyway, I'm being uh, weird. I'm a big Chris, fan. And then, Chris, who's your team? NBA. I don't really have an NBA team, man. It's the Atlanta Hawks, man. That's it. That's that's the only team to root for. You're you're born and raised in Atlanta, sir. Be better. So he's a real Atlantan who has no Hawks allegiance at all because real Atlantans don't. Aha! <laughs> she got it right. What? Uh, I was born and raised in Atlanta and I'm diehard. What What are you talking about? Um, I am. Name five others. All right. Shout out to my boy Cole. I can't give last names because I, you know, I don't know if they want me to give their last name. Mm-hmm. My homeboy Cole. Because they don't uh, want everybody else to know that they like the Hawks for real? <laughs> Basically. No. Nah, because, you know, they might not want everybody up in their business. That's, you know, and I appreciate that. <laughs> this is an interesting episode. I just want y'all to know this. <laughs> oh, I'm having a good time, man. I'm, I'm wilding today. But nah, my boy Cole, my boy Pratt is at the game, was at the game tonight. He was there to see us dis- dismantle the Indiana Pacers firsthand. Uh, my boy Julian, who's been on the show. Um... Let's see who else. Uh, oh snap! Um, my homegirl Dorothy. Shout out to Dorothy. Uh, you know, uh, my my friend Ashley. I mean, I can keep going, man. I got a whole list of people. We run deep in Atlanta. Okay, now if I asked you this question at the end of a let's say twelve win season, would those people still be on the list? A 12-win football season? No, no, no. Basketball season. Sir, we're talking about NBA. I'm just making sure, you know, because there's no way the Hawks ever win just 12 games. I don't know if you know that my team is pretty good, Chris. Didn't your team make the playoffs under 500? Uh, We made the playoffs, Chris. That's the league, (laughs) sir. We made the playoffs, and we're winning in the first round. And we spent the majority of our season without some of our better players, like Al Horford, who was gone. I mean, he is a key player. He is our most dominant post player, and we lost him for a long time. Last year as Good well. Good It happens. Injuries happen. But happened too often the, to Al Horford. Yeah, man. Look, I need you to stop talking shit. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm talking truth, man. Almost had me cursing, Chris. Almost had me cursing. It's anyway, a cousin podcast. Uh, yes, if, if my Hawks <laughs> won a 12-game, like if they only won 12 in a season, 
yes, the, the fair weather fans would come out the woodwork and they would show their ugly faces. Most of them being transplants from other cities who are hateful. That's all wow. I have to say. Yep. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Well, all right. Yeah, but I want to talk about some NFL for a second, man, because the, the like, new schedule just came out. What's up? Sorry, there's 24 seconds left in the game, and okay, he came back within one. Go ahead. The schedule came out yesterday. <laughs> hey, Chris, please leave that moment in the episode. That really just happened. <laughs> really? Autumn, why are you watching the game when we were recording a podcast? This is the game is still on, sir. Like I put it on mute, but it's still happening. (laughs) Russell Westbrook just went to the line, like he's about to take the lead, hopefully because he thinks he's three. I mean, two. It was two. So I wanted to talk about the NFL schedule that just came out yesterday, and how my Falcons are about to obliterate everybody in our way. And how I'm going to Jerry's World for Thanksgiving. Want to talk about that? Are you for real? Oh yeah, I'm very serious. How are you going to make that happen? I'm going to fly down <laughs> and... I mean, is there a reason for it? Are you going to be writing an article? Are you going to be just going just because? I mean, the reason is that the Eagles are playing in Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. That is the reason. Uh, all right. That's all you need to know. That's completely hey, but I'm just going to let you know, if your Eagles do not beat Jerry's team... Uh, First off, they need to change the name of Jerry's World to something else because Jerry has not won a whole lot of games in Jerry's they World. They did change it to something else. Somebody bought naming rights, but I don't remember who it was. Maybe AT&T. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, you need to do better because your team sucks. We always and... beat them in Dallas, and they always beat us in Philly, so we're going to win that game. And we're like 4-1 and one on Thanksgiving Day. How can you be a true Philly fan when you admit to your losses in the past? I'm just saying. What? As far as I'm concerned, I have amnesia about any losses that the Falcons have had in the past. Okay, but do you really? know Philly fans? Like, we are extremely pessimistic and negative to a fault. We boot everybody. We hate guys in our own jerseys. Like, we know. Yes, we know y'all hate Santa Claus. We, we hate it. everybody. <laughs> Why does everyone bring up that 20-year-old thing when it Thank comes you. to Philly? stuff at Santa Claus. I just had to defend myself against throwing snowballs at Santa Claus earlier today. Are you serious? See, look. Anyway, I just want y'all to know my Falcons are about to obliterate everybody on the schedule. I cannot wait till the first game of the season. Why would they put the Saints on our schedule to get smashed? Anybody who's listening to Dude Logic right now that is a New Orleans Saints fan, I am apologizing ahead of time for the whooping, that ass whooping y'all are about to take game one of the season. I'm so sorry, but not really. Your Falcons are playing Jordan's Ravens in Baltimore the weekend of Howard homecoming. (laughs) And I'm sorry that the Ravens are going to get their ass whooped too. I'm not a Ravens fan, but it's just, I've seen so many people in Atlanta talking about, yep, Howard homecoming and Falcons game in there. Yeah, I... Maybe I'll make it. <laughs> Probably not. Not. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, Chris, what about your Redskins, Trader? Oh, no. Man. Okay. Yeah, he's a Skins fan, Autumn. We <laughs> oh, no. Hate him. Here it goes. So, actually, this hey, is a good time is to bring this up. your dad, by the way, Autumn? Every time I think about the Skins, I think about your dad. 
He's fantastic. But Chris is going to explain why he's a Redskins fan right now. Well, I'm going to start out by saying uh, check out the Twitter page because we did post a link to the projected records. Right? Oh, you're you're talking about our Twitter page. Yeah, yeah. That you were talking about the Redskins Twitter page, and I was just going to tell you no off the cup. No. No, no, I'm talking about the Dude Logic Twitter page. We posted a link to ESPN's projections of all the records. And I will note that the Falcons went, what was it, 7-9? and nine? Or was uh, it 9-7? and seven? I don't care. I don't pay attention to other people. I know my team is about to go. This is my projection. 12-14 and 14 or 13-3. and 12-14 uh, will be a hell of a season. Matter. Yeah. That would be a hell of a season. This. Apparently, the Falcons have one of the harder schedules uh, in the league. Yes, that is true. But I'm not worried. I think it was like 11. Because we're going to sweep the NFC South. Nobody in the NFC South is catching a game from us. I'm just letting you know. Mm. So that's six right there. Go ahead. And that's, that's All right, half so now back to the Washington professional football team. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, I, I don't call them by the other name. So yeah, back to the Washington professional football team. You I realized that we would go about eight and eight this season, and I'm okay that with that. Ambitious. You're praying for eight and eight. Dude. I was eight and eight is really ambitious. Hey, the Eagles are going nine and seven. And that wins the division in our division. <laughs> You're probably right, actually. <laughs> That's terrible that y'all are it both the last for... three years. Nine like you, and seven you, and ten and six win our division. I'm really sad for <laughs> both of you. For both of you that y'all are okay with nine and seven. I'm okay but with you know winning what? the division. Exactly. Whatever record win the division. Mm-hmm. I'm all right but, with the four seed. You gotta see. <laughs> see, that's what mediocre teams will will strive for. My my Falcons are shooting for the top spot. Period. Bruh, your Falcons need to shoot for eight and eight real talk. Uh, uh, dude, my Falcons are about to go ahead and win that NFC South. Uh, go ahead and take that first round by. I don't know, uh, Carolina. Are you serious? You what? Really? A team that has absolutely no wide receivers. You think they're about to win a single game against us? And they just picked up Thomas Deku, our leftovers. Thank you. That means we're about to throw all over them. Now, AJ, I will say that their wide receivers are actually better than they were last year. What? No, they took Their wide receivers are better than they were last year. Man, whatever. At this point, they are. They don't drop passes. They took Jason Avant. Jason Avant's going to be... Jason Avant wouldn't even make the starting receiving core of the... A solid pickup for them. I just just need you to know, Jason... Jason Avant would be the what fifth receiver on the Falcon squad? Fourth. Fifth. Who's four? You got Roddy White. You got your boy Julio Jones. You got Harry Douglas. You got man Toy Lolo. At this point, is better than him. Hmm. Yes, I said it. Wow. I meant, I meant it too. I meant it. Wow. I meant it, Chris. Toy Lolo, huh? Yep. Yep. Right. 
I'm just letting you know. Just letting you know. Have we even seen Tololo play? Uh, yes. He actually caught two touchdown passes last year, Chris. Were they like at the two yard line or something? Really, Chris? Is that not what he did at Stanford? In the red zone, the man is deadly. Deadly. You know why? Because he's six foot eight, Chris. How tall is Jason Avant? All of like five foot two. Whoa. All right, it's like six one, something like that. Yeah, Jason Avant hey. six six one or two. Man, whatever. I don't care that he's taller than me. He's still shorter than Levine Toilolo. Wow. But how about we get to the actual like main topic? Because I feel like I'm just going to keep going off on how my Atlanta teams are the best. And it's not going anywhere. Y'all aren't They're not. You're sounding real guys. Washington right now. You're sounding very much like a Washington fan right now. Well, you need to calm yourself. I'm calm just saying. Your... That is crazy. I'm just saying. But... Washington fans are like, oh, we won a game. Championship or bust. <laughs> we were. Hey, look. We were fans. <laughs> look, look. We were friends, Autumn. Don't do this. Don't do you this. You started with my Lakers, son. I mean, because they're terrible. <laughs> Listen, they're so were awful. your Falcons last year, AJ. We haven't seen them play yet in 2014. My Falcons won 16, excuse me, 19 games last season. That's how I feel. Wow. That's how Hell I of a season. Hell of a season. Hell of a Delusion. season. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So, AJ, yes, yeah, so let's get into this main topic, all right? The main topic. Main topic. Now, this one's going to be a little bit different than previous episodes because this one, this main topic is actually a rebuttal to the previous episode. Episode 17. So we talked about with the opinionated male guys on opinionatedmail.com about how women create monsters and then they turn around and say, oh, there's no good guys out there. But you created monsters out of the good guys. So we're going to give Autumn a chance to come on and speak her mind and be a source of rebuttal for the female population, if she can. <laughs> Is there a Go question? Go for it, Autumn. Um, I don't know. I tend Our, to not this, buy this into a- the whole there are no good guys thing. Um... But I will say that women, we don't necessarily acknowledge our role in in ruining good guys, I guess. And we'll start there. Mm. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. I just want to say thank you very much, Autumn. It takes a brave woman to get on dude logic and to admit that women are crazy and they create monsters out of men. I'm just, you know. Did I say women are crazy? <laughs> or did I say, say we don't acknowledge our role in ruining good men? That was what I heard. Chris, did you hear that? That's okay, what I heard. That's not I, I heard what she said, actually. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris, you're supposed to back me up. Come on, man. <laughs> you are terrible. Dude. Dude. Do hey, better, man. Chris. You, you know I speak the truth on the show. Man, whatever. <laughs> all right, so, you all right. You don't acknowledge your role in creating monsters out of men. Right. But do you agree with us that it happens all the time? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. Because I think that there, there, in one respect, there are women who don't trust it when you're, when you come across a genuinely good guy. 
And so they, sorry. So they, they are skeptical. They are nagging. They are untrusting. And they, there's kind of a thing that I believe that if you accuse someone of something long enough, the person will go ahead and justify your accusations. So they, they kind of push behavior that wouldn't have happened naturally. Um, I think there's another element where, and I think it happens on both sides, but you're not totally clear about the expectations. You're not totally clear about what you want. Um, and you, you let somebody, you, you don't communicate and make sure that everybody's on the same page in terms of interest level and expectations. Um, and so people get hurt and they end up ruined afterwards. I just think that there are a number of situations where I don't think that any guy is born like an ancient nigga. Like that doesn't happen. Just like no woman is born like not about anything. I think the experiences make you into that. And I think that women fail to acknowledge that. I think women just assume that guys aren't about shit and that's just how life goes. Yo, Chris, that's mm. that's that's a that right there was an urban dictionary moment. <laughs> the urban, urban dictionary, dictionary word of the day, of the day is, is, is a dictionary moment. Urban, urban dictionary. dictionary word oh. of the day. Sorry. <laughs> Ancient niggas. That Ancient just happened, niggas. Chris. All right. That just happened. Oh man. That's hilarious. Thank you, Autumn. So Autumn, now, care to give us a definition of that? Um, I don't know how to define it. Like, you know it when you see it, but I don't know how to define it. Oh, wow. All right, well, give us a story about the last ancient nigga that you ran into, Autumn. I actually don't usually run into them. Really? I I mean, most of the guys that I know are genuinely good guys. They're great people. I think I meet a lot of guys that seem to aspire to be ancient niggas, that want to be that, that tell me that they are that. But when I actually, you know, get to know them, they aren't that at all. You hear that, ladies? Uh, Autumn is a friend of mine, and she says she only (laughs) knows genuinely nice guys. So... (laughs) AJ is real good at the spin thing, but yeah, AJ's one of the genuinely nice guys, ladies. Holler. There you go. <laughs> See, that's why we're friends. Ladies. That's why I love Autumn, y'all. Right there. Right there. Nah, but um We we still hadn't gotten point, on top of what this that, ancient niggas thing is, right? <laughs> um we have not. We have not. Uh can we say ancient dudes? Let's use dudes. Oh, well, you know what? And I am correct. There is an entry for ancient nigga on Dude Logic. An N-word that ain't about shit, a deadbeat, will never amount to anything, has no purpose in life at all. And this applies to all ethnicities. We don't we do not do racism here on uh, Dude Logic. Uh, here, is it, here it is in a sentence. We slept together and I haven't heard from him since. Girl, that's because he ain't shit nigga. Don't worry about him. Move on. But that's on. not necessarily true. 
because maybe the arrangement was that it was supposed to be a one-night thing. Maybe y'all didn't discuss anything long-term. That doesn't make him not shit. That makes the expectations not clear, see? So when is he a truly ain't shit nigga, then? When he's lying. Uh, Dudes who don't take care of their children, period. Yeah. That's a problem for me. Yo, any dude who's unwilling to take care of a child that he had something to do with in creating, ain't shit nigga, period. And yet, like we said, that's that's any race, any ethnic origin. I don't care who you are. That's you're a terrible human being if you're unwilling to take care of your child. And you know what? That's man or woman, because there are women out there who are neglecting their children just as easily as there are men out there. And I'm not about to just. Oh, well, I'm about to get on my high horse, y'all. Well, at that point, it's it's suitable to use the N word with that because it does describe someone who is ignorant. It's niggardly. Yeah. Yes. Someone who is niggardly, yes. That is terrible. And um, you know what? It's kind of bad that the word niggardly is used. It's kind of bad that that really isn't a word. And you're trying to make it one. It isn't. But it has been I mean, come on. Certain certain words have been appropriated into to our colloquialisms over the years, and it becomes I bet it's in the Webster's. You are trying to make niggardly a word. I bet it's in Webster's. <laughs> niggardly is actually a word. It is. Thank you. It is. Huh. Yeah. Yep, Chris. The more you know. There you go, Chris. Hold on. Let me give you the etymology. Give me one second. Oh, this. Hello, <laughs> nerds in this show. Once again. Uh, but how did we get same. off topic to this? Like, I feel like Autumn was making a point, and then we somehow got here. You oh, yelled out "Urban Dictionary" like it's World Star, and that's where we ended up. <laughs> I don't Yo, remember my. Like, we have said, "Hey, hey, Autumn." Just so you know, public service announcement: We, we said this on previous uh, episodes of Dude Logic. If you ever hear "World Star" anywhere in public, run. <laughs> Just run. Don't think twice. Don't look to see who said it. Just run. <laughs> In the opposite direction of where you heard World Star getting yelled, run. Yep. <laughs> Public nice. service announcement of the day. But you All know, right, but World Star mentality was one of the words that we had, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Urban dictionary, uh, I mean, excuse me, et- etymology of niggardly, please. Okay, yes. Oh, sorry, so I can't clicked out of the window hold on let me go back see you're you're being like you know what are we I'm doing a, is this chill, a, out. chill out chill out chill out is this a rainbow moment of the day okay burton when you it's a mean person or a miser late 14th century niggard of uncertain origin the suffix suggests french french origin but the root word is possibly from earlier nig stingy Circa 1300, perhaps from a Scandinavian source related to old horse. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce H-N-O-G-G-R. Stingy from Proto-Germanic, not going to attempt that word either. Source of Swedish, nuge, close, careful, German, general, precise, exact. And to Old English, now maybe? Stingy, niggardly, which did not survive Middle English. Hmm. That told us nothing. It 
No, it, it, it tells us that it, it has really no real origin. Nothing. Good. Nothing so let's keep moving Thanks on etymology. to the word. <laughs> we did a lot let's, let's move on to Autumn's point. All right. uh, well, and, and, and can you please reiterate that point? Because I'm sure our listeners are lost right now. We're going to cut all this out. I don't remember the point. Um, but it was to the effect that women don't acknowledge that men are what, what, what is going on with your mic? What's, what's going on with your mic? Are we better? Yeah. Are we here? Yeah, you're, you're moving a lot. You're Sorry, moving a lot. I leaned it up against my shirt. Um, yeah. I was just saying that women don't acknowledge that men aren't born or don't just wake up ancient dudes overnight. Like, we play a part in that. We are active facilitators in the transition from good guy to ancient son of a bitch. Um, and then we fail to recognize that and we blame the guy instead of instead of looking towards what our role in that process may have been. Like How men can't make each other that it is rainbow. Hmm. How much of a role do you think society becoming, you know, all the negative things that we talk about being chauvinist assholes, pigs, etc. I actually think that plays a pretty big role. So just kind of as an example, I was saying that all the guys that I know or a lot of the guys I know want to purport to be that guy. But then when it's just the two of us, they're not. A lot of times guys feel like they have to put on for other guys. They have to uh, put on a certain front. That is not who they are, though. And I think that that's where you need to make the distinction between who someone is and who someone is purporting to be. Um, Because under the surface, again... I think a majority of guys are really good guys. They just, for whatever set of circumstances or reasons, are putting on as certain things. So I think that there's the societal pressure is real. It's definitely there. I don't know why or where it comes from because, you know, everybody talks about wanting women, but then everybody talks about how you can't love these hoes and all that nonsense. So I don't really know where the circle starts, but I would imagine that. For some of them, at least, the cycle starts with a woman they loved, and she it didn't go very well. It didn't end very well. I don't know. Well, Not <clears throat> so here, no. Here's a question for you. So, so how long how do you long? think a, a gentleman has to purport to be something other than what he is before he actually does become that? Like how long? Does it go on as being considered an act before it becomes who his natural state is? I mean, I feel like I've seen that in the past myself, both in men and women, that they act a certain way for so long that that act becomes the status quo. I think it depends. Like, are you pretending to be that with your boy while you're tag teaming some chick, but then you're going home to a chick that you really like and you're sweet and genuine and that's not who you are at all? Um I think it depends on the circumstances. If there's a consistent perpetration of that character, I think it can become who you are. It's like, you know, going undercover as a cop. At some point, they have to pull you out and give you desk duty or something to remind you that you're a cop. But I think that if there's a break from it, if it's just role playing and then you go home to your real life, I don't think you necessarily become that. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, from my own personal experience and Chris, uh, you know, yay or nay from your personal experiences. But I mean, I feel like I've seen guys who have played a role for so long or gotten to a point where they felt like 
they weren't being given the respect that they deserved. Uh, and, you know, for lack of a better term, like, if I don't show these girls any respect, they're going to respect me more. And then they start to, to act in that, that fashion. That's they insane. get the results that they were expecting. And then they end up, you know, using that as their go-to attitude when it comes to dealing with women in relationships. I mean, Chris, have you seen that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think guys kind of, there. there's this mimicry thing there. And they see that it works for other guys, and they just continue to perpetuate that. Yeah. See, that was actually one of the points that I made in the last episode was that, <clears throat> excuse me, women, part of the role that I felt women play in men becoming quote-unquote assholes is that they give attention to assholes. Uh, men, just like you know any other creature walking the face of the earth, we have evolutionary basis for doing the things that we do. Almost everything we do is in some way or another you know, motivated by sex. It's, it's, it just is like, and when I say sex, I'm not necessarily talking about the act of sex, but the motivation to want to find a mate, to mate with them, to propagate the species, etc. Right. And you're looking for people who you're, you're looking to increase your odds of, of bringing a mate. Well, if you continue to see that women are giving attention to guys who are not doing right by them, to guys who are assholes, for example, guys who aren't the good guy, the sweet, the caring, the emotionally available guy, but the dude who's keeping himself emotionally distant, the guy who's not there for them, and this is the guy that women are chasing, eventually a good dude is going to be like, look, I'm not, not, uh, but this asshole is. Um, It makes sense to me to act so that I could, I could have a mate. So I could have a woman. I could find a woman who would want to spend their time with me. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I made the point that, you know, women, it's, it's the, I really believe that it is, you know, the burden is on women to change their, who they give attention to. That if you stop nurturing negative behavior and you start nurturing positive behavior, Guys who are chivalrous, guys who treat you with respect, guys who, you know, are caring, kind, emotionally available, then these dudes who are acting in an asshole fashion will see that they're not getting anywhere with that and will say, hey, these nice guys are doing so that I maybe I need to start treating women with more respect. But so. it still depends on what you want, because for me, sometimes I want an asshole because I don't want to have to deal with the complications of feelings being caught so i want you to be an asshole so that you won't catch feelings and we can keep things nice and simple we can watch the game and have fun like but is that something that you're looking for someone that you would love you would want to marry in the future but again i think that depends on what your goals are because right now my goal is not looking for somebody to marry right now my goal is i want company when i want it and i think that speaks to all right so yeah it depends on what your motivation is right so for me, women who are going around issue. saying that they're looking for someone that they want to get married to, why are there no good guys around? You know, I'm looking to get married and all these other things. Well, it's like, who are you really talking to? Are you talking to men who are focused or in a place in their life where they're looking to be married, are making decisions that are going to lead to that? Or are you talking to a dude who isn't thinking past next week? I think, for well, one, a lot of girls think that they can change guys. They think that 
And, and But guys think the same thing. They think that, oh, this person is saying that, but he or she is going to get stuck on me and things are going to be different. So I think that's the first mistake that both sexes make. You see something you want and you just assume that regardless of what that person says, you can have it. Um, but I also think that not many people are having the initial conversation about what you want. Like, I know a lot of girls that'll start off talking to a guy because he's unattainable. And then midway through it, they, and, and guys too, and midway through it, they decide, oh, I want a relationship now. And I've already been dealing with this person for however long. So I want a relationship with this person. Ignoring the fact that that person told you in the beginning that he didn't want a relationship. And then you just think that all of a sudden, because you just decided that what you want to change that person's ones are supposed to change too. I think that people need to do a better job of discussing wants and expectations earlier on and realizing that maybe you should believe what a person says. You should take I a person's words at face value. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And that's one of the reasons why I, I refuse to read into what people say. If right. you tell me something, expect me to, to follow. And I would say that in general, like for, you know, if I'm giving a warning to women who are, who are listening to the show, say what you want. Say what you want. Be very literal. Men are very literal. We don't read into things in general. I mean, I'm, I'm generalizing, but in general, men do not read into things. We don't look for your emotions. We don't look for body language. We hear what you say and we will proceed based on what you say. False. So you read into lots of things. But go man. Ahead. <laughs> AJ, okay. we've talked about reading body language and everything. Yeah. I mean, in certain situations and very like, but, but. No, but the reality is, is like, I I will tell people up front, I'm not going to read into anything. Tell me what you're feeling. And if you don't, like, if you don't communicate with me and then I get it wrong, you are not allowed to be upset with me, period. Like, that's, that's it. Like, you can, if you don't want to communicate with me, fine. But then you are not allowed to be upset when I don't get it right. When I don't do what it is that you wanted me to do, when I proceed in my own world, the way I feel like I should be proceeding and it doesn't line up with how you feel I should have done something, then you can't be upset because you didn't communicate to me what it was that you needed from me. Right. Now, if you tell me this is what I need from you and then I go and do what the hell I want to do anyway, that's my own fault. But if you tell me this is what I need to be happy, I need for you to you know, show affection a certain way. I need for you to be there for me in this manner. And if I love you, if I care about you, I'll find a way to make that happen. I'll find a way to make that fit in my life, right? But if you don't tell me, I'm never going to do it. Like, it's just, it's reality. And that's why I think a lot of people, and both men and women, this happens with, you know, men a lot are, are closed off, don't want to tell people how they feel. Or, you know, like a lot of men that I know, emotion is looked at as being soft or unmanly or some other negative aspect. I mean, it's the reason why people clown Drake for being emotional on his songs, right? I'm one of those but, people. Yeah, I mean, and that's fine. But the reality is, like, someone who's in touch with his emotions and is honest about that now gives a woman the ability to to deal with him in a way that makes him feel wanted, makes him feel, you know, needed and appreciated. But if I if I'm closed off and I don't tell you what's going on with me, Next thing you know, there's a disagreement, there's a misunderstanding, and you have no idea where it's coming from. I just think you avoid more problems when you're upfront with people from day one. Like, this is who I am. I'm not going to paint myself to be anything other than this. 
and you now have the, the ammunition to proceed in a way that you feel best. Uh, I mean, Chris, you've been kind of quiet. You do know, you go feel ahead and that jump guys on. really, really can do that, though. Like, I mean, if we're talking about the fact that there are examples out there where women will gravitate towards the assholes, will guys really be up front even if they want to be a good guy? I mean, I am. And I know the I know the risk. Like, I know that they're like, I definitely had women who have not who decided that they were not attracted to me because I was, quote unquote, too nice or too open or too honest. Or they say they wanted that. And then when they finally get it, they don't know what to do with it. So but I mean, it's just who I am. And I refuse to to paint a picture in a different light just because society deems it unsuccessful. Like, as far as I'm concerned, there's going to be a woman who will appreciate me for exactly who I am, for exactly what I bring to the table, who will appreciate that I'm open and honest and communicate and will will know exactly what that means and how to deal with it. You know, there and, will and that's be, cool. but you have to appreciate that not every woman wants the same thing. So while you're a great catch to a woman who wants that, you just have to accept that not every woman wants that. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I've gotten to that point. You know, I've, I've gotten to a place where I'm OK with the fact that not every woman is is like I'm not every woman's type. And that's fine. But the other part of me is like any woman who doesn't want a dude who is going to put her first, cares about her, is emotionally available, will talk through problems, is not going to get upset at, at the moment, like. And all the reasons why I think I'm a good catch. If you don't like that, then you're crazy. No, that's just how <laughs> I feel. And I, and I, and I am perfectly to feel like anybody who doesn't want that stupid. Like, that's just dumb. Like, why would you want the dude who's never going to tell you how he feels? Why would you want the dude who's going to be closed off and is going to act like he doesn't easier. care about it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you know what? I mean, that's if about- you don't want a substantial relationship, if you just want, like I want, company when you want it, and you want to be left alone, you want to be left alone. You don't want to have to think about a dude's feelings. You don't want to have to think about um, what he may want. You don't want to have to think about how what you said may have affected him. You want to live your life. You want to call him and be like, "Are you on your way or not?" Nah? <laughs> and you want, you know, so you want you want the autonomy or um, nah or nah. You, I mean, you want the autonomy of being able to come and go as you please, do what you want. You don't want to put in the work of a relationship because that's not, not where you are in life. For me, I want, I am so emotionally unavailable. Huh? You want friends? You want friends with benefits because that's what that sounds like. Well, I mean, just for me, I that's am not a real relationship. Emotionally unavailable, and I don't mean to be. I just don't have any emotional intelligence at all. So for me. <laughs> And and I know you, we are good friends, and we discuss all the time that we could never date because you are so in touch with your feelings. I don't know Very how to handle so. For me, it's not that I, uh, I like, because I don't want to be treated well. The assholes treat me really well. I just don't know how to handle feelings. So You know what? And, so, that's, and that was actually a conversation that I had with a good friend of mine recently. Um, and she said the same thing. That the reason why a person like me and, and and I and I have to give it to her, it was a great point. The reason why a lot of women have a struggle with a person like me, even though they say they might want a man who, you know, does all of those things, communicates, is emotionally available, and all of that, they're confronted with that. They don't know how to deal with it. And I appreciate you for being honest about it because, and this is why she said it because when somebody knows how to effectively communicate their feelings, and expects you to do the same, 
now it means you have to actually materialize thought. Like I have to be able to explain exactly what I'm feeling. And it's a frightening thing for a lot of people. And I guess I just don't have that fear. Like I've never had that fear of being emotional in front of someone because we're human. Like, you're not going to tell me or, or make fun of me for showing my emotion and it's going to affect me. I don't care. Like, are you serious? I'm a human being just like you. We all are emotional. So what are you talking about? Like, But not everybody not- was raised that way. Like, I was raised by my dad and basically told to man up over everything. That's why I drink my whiskey straight. That's why I am the way that I am. Because, like, I wasn't allowed to cry over anything. It was no blood, no tears. I wasn't, you know, I I was not allowed to show emotions because it was weakness. And really it was that my dad was raising a little girl by himself and he didn't know how to process little girl emotions. So he told me to suppress them, but like straighten up soldier, man up, like all of these were my whole life. I wasn't raised to be emotional. I was raised that emotions are a sign of weakness. So for you, you were raised that it was okay to be in touch with yours. And that's cool for me. I have a thing about not being vulnerable and not being weak in front of anybody and emotions are a weakness to the point and where see, I literally, when I'm by myself, don't know how to process my own emotions now. Wow. You know what? You can always pick up the phone and call me and I'll help you work through that autumn. But no, seriously though. Um, no, but, and that's the thing is, yes, I do. I, I am very well aware that the way I was brought up in a, in a loving household with family who, you know, I was encouraged to be expressive, encouraged to tell, you know, to be, was going on in my life, how I felt about certain things that happened in my life. Um, and I was taught that being able to be, as a man, to be able to be in touch with your emotions, to be honest about your emotions, shows true strength. It's weak. As far as I'm concerned, it's weak when a man or a woman is unwilling to be honest about how they feel. It's insecurity. You're worried that somebody's going to look at you a different way, or somebody's going to use your perceived emotion against you or somebody's going to call you soft or whatever like I don't care what people think about how I feel at this point and you don't even know how you feel then getting to a point where you're admitting it to other people is not even a conversation if you're not even in touch with your own feelings see it's not that like in my my experience though it's really not that hard to get in touch with your emotions the people like people are just unwilling to try like it doesn't take that much I have no emotional intelligence for myself, for the people around me. But my mother the told last me time? the other day that she was going to the hospital because she had liver damage, and I did a shimmy and told her I was going to go work on my liver. Like, I just don't have that capacity. You know what? But, all right, so that experience, right? Like, let's use that to talk about your emotional intelligence, right? For you, it was easier to deal with that. Like, I don't think anybody who hears news that their mother is ill in any way whatsoever is excited about it unless you just have a terrible relationship with your mother right right you hate her um you know but for you it's a coping mechanism in my opinion right so it was easier for you to be like to make a joke about it and to keep it moving than it would be honest with yourself about how that makes you feel in that moment like instead of taking the weight of that moment and saying, wow, my mother has liver damage and this is something that's serious. Um, how do we move forward from here? It was easier for you to just make a joke about it. Be like, all right, you know, I'm about to go do something about what was good. Peace out, mom. Love you. And really, I mean, like, just a all year ago, same situation. A year ago, my mom told me that she was having, um, she had like cervical cancer or ovarian cancer or one of those. And 
she was going to have to have surgery and she was like almost in tears. And I was like, well, it's cool. Cause I've had all my kids. So you can have all of my fertility if you want mine. And I walked out of the room. Like, <laughs> I just, wow. I don't know what to say in those situations. I don't know what to do in those situations. And well, sometimes you don't have to say anything. Just being there for somebody who's going through that. Yeah. Is... No, I suck. No, I mean, and that's, and, and, you know, we all have our, we all have our failings. We all have our things that we fall short on. You know, none of us are perfect in any, in any capacity. Whereas, you know, I'm very empathetic for me. It's, it's easy. I go into crisis mode when people are, are going through something because it's in me to want everybody. Like I just posted, I think on my Facebook page, either yesterday or the day before that I will continue to breathe positivity and light into the lives of those around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really who I am. Like, I just want everybody around me to be happy because this is a beautiful, like in, my, in my mind, this is a beautiful life that we live. We're all blessed to be able to, to experience the world that we, we live in every day. Every day that we wake up with breath in our lungs is a good day. So, you know, an experience like that, when somebody's hurting, you know, I go right to Florence Nightingale, save, save the day. Like, I have that in me. Um, and that's just who I am. But I think other people can be taught to do that. It's just that you have to be willing to get through the discomfort of the emotion. Like it's uncomfortable for a lot of people and you have to get through that. Like it's, it's difficult to say when somebody's like my grandfather or somebody close to me just died. You know, a lot of people struggle with what to say in situations, you know, and, and it's a discomfort. They just don't, want to say the wrong thing well sometimes it doesn't matter what you say just being there for them even if you get it wrong just being there for them is enough i just think different people have different gifts mine is not being sensitive i can make you laugh i can make your bad day good and your good day great um you'll have fun with me at the end of the day but the whole like i need someone to confide in thing you you have other friends for that (laughs) Yeah, you're just gonna be like, look, uh, call A. That's not my lane. I'm good at knowing my flaws, and that is one of them. You're like, look, call AJ, and then we'll be like, he's got all the tissues, he'll have a bottle of wine for you. AJ's got this. (laughs) That's not my lane. Yep, yep. Chris, man, come on, man. Jump in. You've been, you've been solid. You know, Autumn been out a lot to say. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a good conversation, right? Yeah. But I mean, I'm I'm curious as to where your your head is is at in all of this, and after all of what we've said, what is your opinion of on it? How do you feel about emotion and being honest and all of that good stuff? Well, I mean, being honest and emotion are two different things, but um, being honest about your emotions in general, yeah. I see no problem with it. I mean, I'm I'm not nearly as open and honest about my emotions as you are, obviously, and not many men are. But I think that it is good to at least be honest with yourself about your emotions. But the thing that I wanted to bring up about that specifically is the fact that some people do kind of repress those emotions and being honest about those emotions with other people as a safeguarding mechanism, whether it's to actually avoid the conversation or whether it's strategic in nature. So like, let's say I'm unsure about something. That's my emotion that I'm confused about something. I'll wait till I'm actually sure about something before I come to you with that. And so really, it's just kind of like me safeguarding myself 
so that I don't say something that that would be deemed unacceptable or that would be premature. And so for me, hey. I think it's it's I don't approach people with things until I'm sure about them myself. So, you know what, I guess uh, that's a great point, Chris, because that's one of the things that I, I don't regret. I don't regret saying something while being in an emotional place because it's it's real. It's honest. It's authentic. Right. It's not. Like, I'd rather somebody be emotional and be honest about that emotion than to try and hold off. I mean, granted, there are times where you need to step back, take a step away from it and, and speak on something when you are not in an emotional state, because not all emotion is is positive emotion. Right. Um, <clears throat> but like you can be honest about the fact that in that moment I am emotional. I'm not in a place where this is a good conversation or this is going to, this is not going to go well, um, and walk away, but be honest about the fact that you're in your emotions and then, and then say, Hey, we can revisit this later when I'm in a place where I feel like I can speak on it. Sometimes I feel like people are even unwilling to say that, like, you know, that amount of communication goes a long way. I don't want to talk right now because I'm not sure what I want to say or what, how I really feel about this. Like, if people were able to vocalize what is going on in their head, even if what's going on in their head is confusion, I'm confused. I don't know what to think about this. So I'm going to take some time to process it and I'll get back to you. But people don't take that because when you say I'm confused, they say, oh, can I help you out? And they start prodding. Yep. Okay. And I have no problem saying, look, I told you where I'm at and that I need to process this internally. I don't need you giving me your side of the story or telling me how you feel. You've already expressed that. I'm going to take time to process this internally. Then we can come back and discuss this when we're both on, on, you know, have our pages set up. So apparently Autumn, AJ has these ideal conversations with people where, <laughs> you know, if there is some minor disagreement, he can just calmly tell them, Hey, this is how it's going to be. And everyone is honky dory and they say, Oh yeah, everything's going well. No, my, I didn't say that. Chris. My conversations don't go that way. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that that happens. I that that would be in my book, that is a perfect situation. Uh where people are mature enough and grown enough to say what they feel, but I know that ninety five percent of the time that that doesn't happen. People either blow up or they run away from situations when things get difficult. This is how it is. Um, I just choose to believe that there are people out there who don't, who are willing to, like, for me, it's difficult when people want to run away from a situation. When things get difficult, they want to walk away from it and deal with it later or never deal with it at all. Um, I have never been one to shy away from confrontation. Uh, and confrontation doesn't have to end negatively. Like, I truly believe that any two people, if they're really willing to be open and honest and discuss something, can find a compromise. This is how I feel. And I'm an idealistic in that, I understand. But I just, that's how I feel. I, I, I can't, I cannot give in to the idea that two people cannot resolve a conflict. I think it depends on, 
the people and the relationship and because for me, like I can cover all of those spectrums with different people. With some people, my ego is not going to allow you to tell me we'll pick this up later. With some people, you're going to talk to me right now. With some people, I'm going to run away because I don't want to address any of it. With some people, I care enough about that person to be understanding and be like, all right, look, you know, you know where I stand whenever you're ready to talk about it. You know where to find me. It depends on the person. It depends on how much I have invested. It depends how much I'm going to let my ego get involved. It depends how much I want to put that person's needs ahead of mine. Because you know me well enough to know that normally I'm very autumn's way of the highway. I'm very um, get on board or get left. Um, and so for most people, I just don't care enough about them to be that patient You'll tell me what I want to know now, or by the time you get around to it, I'm not going to be interested in what you have to say. Um, but again, there are some that I will wait and I will give you the space and the time and the whatever to get yourself together. But I think expecting that across the board, even expecting it across the board from the same person is unreasonable. I mean, yeah, you got to give everybody some leeway from time to time. But that's the thing is the majority of our interactions should be that of positive interactions, not something negative where you do something that you know irks me. Like that's, that's crazy. Like if I were in a relationship with you, Autumn, like I, I, I would act accordingly. Like I would act in a way that I feel like you would be okay with, you would deal with, you know, cause you're trying like, I mean, if you're in a relationship, I, I feel like you should be willing to, accommodate the person that you're in a relationship with right to a certain extent like you don't want to give up all of who you are you don't want to compromise who you are as an individual or or you know change who you are at your core but you do have you do have to give in a little bit like you both need to to let some things go right and work within a construct that works for the other person so this is good for the second part of the whole discussion right because now what we're talking about is women who then say that there are no good guys out out there are these oh, yeah. women r- willing to meet guys halfway on that are they willing to do a little give and take i don't think I don't the know. problem is give and take i think the problem is approaching every relationship from the same cookie cutter standpoint and not customizing your approach based on the individual that you're dealing with because again, I can customize, I can give and give and give and give and give and give and give. Or I could say, I really don't have anything invested in this and I'm not budging at all. Um, it just depends. And I think that to try to have a one size fits all solution or a one size fits all approach, even with the same person over time, is not realistic. Expectations change, feelings change, investment changes. Uh, and I think it, it makes more sense to learn the needs of that individual than it does to say this is the blanket way to handle this situation. No, I mean, of course, like I think I think you have to look at every situation as being unique and different from any others. Right. But I do believe there are, you know, positive ways of going about dealing with most conflicts like you know, not everything you can handle in the exact same way. You're right. Like different, different situations will call for different solutions, but you have to be willing to be patient enough to figure those solutions out. That's really what it is. In my, so in that's my, the source of the women saying there are no good men. They just aren't patient enough to 
figure out how to get the good men or they aren't willing uh, to figure out how to make whatever relationship they have work yeah i would i would say that like i feel like men who say that they want the good men man but they aren't really excuse me did i what did i say just <laughs> men now who said they want <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, please Pause. cut that out, Chris. Pause. Right. Yes. Cut that out. Uh, had to pause myself. That is terrible. Um, women who say they want a good man, uh, you know, but really when they, they encounter one and they're unwilling to deal with it, um, I'm trying to, I'm really trying to, to un, like, really, like, I'm trying to really get to the essence of the point I'm, I'm trying to make. Uh I wanted to be poignant, <laughs> but <laughs> no, like you want to be honest, a poignant right? point. Yes. <laughs> Redundancy. Yes. I enjoy that. Um, no, I, I just feel like a lot of women, you know, they say that they want that, but then they are unwilling to really be patient enough to figure it out. Like when you find a good dude, you're not going to get the fire, fiery responses that you get from other guys. Like, you know, we level-headed. We tend to think about things more. Uh, we tend to, you know, really, I mean, because there's emotion there, because we're not going to just run off of what we've done in the past. Like, we're going to actually take the time to really understand where you're at, what's going on with you, and figure it out. And you, you're going to have to be willing to be honest about where you're at. I think it's fear that drives women when they deal with good guys. They're they're unwilling to to be open and honest with themselves. Not necessarily him. Like it's it's more the fear of acknowledging where they're at and what what's wrong with them and having to verbalize that. Like verbalizing it makes it real. It's one thing when you know you have your own issues, but when you have to verbalize those issues to someone else, I think it it's frightening for some women. Men as well. Uh, I mean, do you think there's there's any truth to that? That like you know, people deal with their emotions internally, and they can kind of, you know, eat them or or push them down inside or pretend like they don't exist. But when you verbalize those emotions, when you say, "I don't feel good because this," or "I am sad because of this," or "I'm happy because of this," or "I'm excited because of this," like it makes it real. I don't know about that. For me, my problem is not the vocal part. For me, the problem is, um, I guess, understanding myself, what I'm feeling. Once I understand it myself, then I have no problem vocalizing it. But a lot of times there's like, and I also don't have a full range of emotions. It's either annoyance or satisfaction. And that's really the extent of, well, uh, the extent of my prevalent emotions. So it's either... I'm annoyed, but you didn't really do anything wrong, so I don't know why I'm annoyed. Or it's, hey, I'm satisfied. Not that you necessarily did anything I can pinpoint right. I'm just satisfied. There's not. And once, again, once I know how I feel, I have no problems telling you. And even to some extent, I will overshare. Like, I will tell things that you would think that I wouldn't tell because I'm about ego stroking and guys like hearing these things from me because yes, I do. don't have any feelings. <laughs> yes, um, we do. I actually read an article today that said that uh, that's one of the things that it was like eight things that women don't do that they used to do. And of course they said the things like cooking, cleaning. Uh, but one of them was, uh, complimenting men, ego yeah. stroking their egos. 
that that's definitely something that I feel is lacking. And one of the points was is that most men are just as insecure or more insecure than women, which I find to be true, which is why we put up the fronts, which is why we act hard, etc. But back to your point. No, so that's it. Like for me, I will go out of my way to compliment you or to say things to let you know that I was thinking about you or or things like that. But the problem is that when it boils down, it doesn't really mean anything. Like, so I could text you today and say, hey, babe, I was thinking about you. And then I could go back to whatever I was doing at work. It made you smile. And that's why I sent it to you was because I wanted to make you smile. But it, it doesn't mean anything to me at the end of it. It's not like, and we should be together or, and X, Y, Z, and I love you. It's just, hey, I was thinking about you. Or, hey, glanced down at my phone, saw the picture that you sent me the other day, and it's a great picture of you. I just want you to know that. Like, I see things like that intentionally because I want you to smile because people generally feel like they're like, oh, I'm going to soften her up. When I say things like that, you feel like you've accomplished something. You feel like you've softened me up. You're smiling. You feel good about yourself. It it translates better when we're interacting later. Uh, but it doesn't mean anything to me. It's not like, oh, I'm falling for you because I was thinking about you. It's just. And I, how many hmm. times has that got you in trouble? I must when, be- you feed, when you feed people lip service, but then you really don't have any emotion behind what you're saying. It's not lip service. If I say I'm thinking about you, I'm really thinking about you. But a lot of people, when they say I'm thinking about you, it's like, I'm thinking about you. You're on my mind. I'm falling for you. I don't have that. And it's just, hey, I thought about you. Um, and it gets me in trouble a lot. Almost every single situ- social situation of my life has gotten in trouble where um, a guy has read more into, because I'm very intentional about little gestures. Because, again, I know that a guy whose ego is built up, a guy who you're making smile, a guy who feels like he's important to you, is much, he treats you much better. The interaction is so much more enjoyable. Even if you're just sitting on the couch watching TV, it's just a much more enjoyable time rather. And it goes in both ways. Guys, when you do the same thing, when you do the little thoughtful things, the, hey, good morning. Hey, I thought about you. Hope you have a great day. Hi, beautiful. Like when you do the things, it just makes the time that you spend together that much more enjoyable rather than when you go out of your way to make the person feel like they don't mean anything to you. The problem is um, I will make you feel better about things and I will stroke your ego and I will tell you that you are the best everything that I've ever met in my life. But it doesn't mean I'm falling for you. <laughs> it just means I want you to smile because you smiling makes this better. You know, I must be the weirdest person on the planet then because whenever stuff yep. like that happens to me, I get annoyed by it. <laughs> like if okay, I get complimented, explain. I like if I, need I, you if though, I get Chris. complimented, I get annoyed by it. Wow. I do too. I don't know how to handle excessive compliments. Well, Chris, if you weren't married already, I would say Autumn was perfect for you. Because <laughs> right? I'm the other way around. Like, look, you can compliment me all day long, and I'm just going to say thank you and appreciate it. Like, yeah. It's not hard. I've never had a hard because time. because I hate saying thank you. I, I don't why? mind. It's just awkward for me. Like, how am I supposed to respond to your excessive con- Like, obviously, yeah. if we're dating, you think I'm beautiful. So you telling me every five minutes how beautiful you think I am? It's too much for me, and I don't know how to respond. Uh, I'm not saying that I really, hate saying you know thank you as a common courtesy. I'm gonna help you out. Right. Do you ever use babe? Do you use babe or bay? Are you one of those people? I don't use bay, but I do call. You know, I call everybody pet names. 
So I call right. everybody baby. So whatever, whatever, whatever your pet name is for whoever it is you're talking to, just be like, hey, baby, I really am. I appreciate the fact that you you love me as much as you do. You find me beautiful, but you saying it that many times in a day makes me uncomfortable. I know. See how that works. See, see how that works. See how that works when you're honest with people, and then no, he now I knows know that's, well that's not how. We, I'm not trying to give anybody the stiff arm. Like that's not my intent. It, it's not something. It's not uncomfortable to the point where I can't deal with it. I know it's well intentioned, and I'm already so unavailable that me saying, "Yo, stop telling me that you think I'm cute," it, it's pushing. But you know what? Away. But that's but but that's the thing is like, you can't be responsible for how people take it. Like, <laughs> if he's so emotionally like, I I just I just feel like if he's so emotionally juvenile that he can't take what you're saying. And be like, okay, that's just not what she needs from me to feel loved and move on. All men are emotionally juvenile because, like you said, they start off afraid to express themselves in the first place. And when they do it and you shut them down, it shatters their whole worlds. (laughs) Creating a monster. (laughs) Exactly. I guess guess so. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And that about sums it up, right? (laughs) That about sums it up. All right. I feel you. Actually, I'd like to clarify because I think I may have made some people hate me. I don't like, I don't not like saying thank you, period. (laughs) It's just that I don't like saying thank you to compliments. Like, I would rather do something behind the scenes than someone not notice. That's what I'm saying. I, I will say that you are extremely humble about the things that you do in your life. So even though you're out here changing the world one day at a time for the better, um, you hate when people like me always say that and tell the world, my dude, Chris, is the most awesome friend in the world. Like, you better believe I'm riding his coattails to greatness. Yeah. That's getting ready to happen. (laughs) And every time he says that, I just sit here and shake my head. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and you know what? I say because I've known you since forever, and I know it messes with you. And I'm I'm an asshole right now. That's why. <laughs> yep. But I'm the world's most lovable asshole, though. So <laughs> we need to get you a go. t-shirt with that. Says. Oh you. man, please do. If y'all buy me that t-shirt, you know I'll wear it. <laughs> and like, it needs to have like a teddy bear that's giving hugs or something. Like Ted. It needs to be Ted. That's gay. It needs to be Ted. That's what it needs. Uh, t- uh, Ted was not gay. Ted was getting it in. With no, you talking about you need a teddy bear on your t-shirt saying I'm lovable. I said that's Ted. That's Ted. Because he's technically supposed to be a cute teddy bear, but then he's a lovable asshole. Mm-hmm. You know you love Ted. I've actually never seen Ted. I watch sports and fast car movies, and that's Do really better, it. Autumn. When you come... <laughs> Look, next time I see you, I'm not letting you watch any sports for like three days. And guess who won't be staying with you? <laughs> you, <can't. laughs> like, you dudes, other dudes now. We talked about this last episode, didn't we? <laughs> oh, okay. No, we won't I do that. I'm still thing. watching the Clippers Golden State game. Like, that's not I the promise way you, Look, hey, look, as in touch with my, uh, my, my emotions as I am, I promise you we won't be watching rom-coms. Leave that at home. <laughs> That's that's I what do yo, have dudes that sit me down and make me watch rom coms, and I don't understand see, that I just watch NFL see, Network. That's when, that's when the man card gets taken from you. That's when I need to be I like, hey, watch God. NFL Network. That's all I want in life. 
Leave me alone. Hey, Chris. Chris. Yeah. Man law right here. Any dude <laughs> that watches a romantic comedy without the expectation of getting some booty and or making the woman that he loves happy in some way, what, you know, um, if it's by your own, like, I want to see this, you now get your man card taken away. <laughs> <laughs> and in order to get it back, you must, you know, pay some penalty. AJ, you strike me as a rom-com type, though. I'm not going to lie. You strike me as, like, sitting by yourself, no chicks around, watching rom-coms. Wow. Or the notebook and shit. Ooh. Wow. The ultimate wow. rom-com. Shots fired. Is that even com? Fired. I've never seen it. Is it comedic? Shots fired. <laughs> uh, for oh, everybody is who is listening, AJ has never sat down and watched a romantic <laughs> comedy by myself. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Are you what serious? You think I would watch drama? the notebook by myself? I don't know. Oh my god. The closest I thing to a romantic like... comedy that you will catch me watching by myself is coming to America. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa McDowell, will you marry me? <laughs> That's it. That's it. If you say so, sir, time will tell. <laughs> All right, Adam. I know we uh we kept you a little long, but we want to say thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, guys. Man, I ain't thanking you. You just said I watch rom-coms <laughs> by myself. That is terrible. I love you. I love you. I love you. All right, you're back in the fold now. Love you too. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for having me tonight. All right, All right Autumn. As always, it was hilarious and fun. <laughs> But it was fun. It was good times. Hey, Autumn, you're going to be on the show again, by the way. When you come to, like, it's going down. When I come to Atlanta, it's going down. All right. Yep. Peace, y'all. All right. All right. Have a good night. You too. Good night. It's now time for AJ's gripes, the time where AJ talks about something that's bothering him. So what's your gripe, AJ? AJ's gripes. AJ's gripes. Man, Chris, I, I, you know what? I have to go into a political realm today, and I know that it's controversial and some people don't want to hear it, but it's, it's about to be heard. First things first, I need everybody that's listening to know that I don't have any political affiliation at all. I vote for the people that I feel like their views most line up with mine. And I hate a bipartisan system because I feel like it leads to people disagreeing with the other just for the sake of saying you're different than I am. But there is something that's going on right now that I feel like I need to speak on. Uh, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, whatever it is that you call it. And these people who are out here trying you know, or are calling for the, the repeal of the act. Um, get over yourself. It went through. It's done. People are being saved. Lives are being saved because of it. And stop trying to take away universal health care from those who need it. People who had pre-existing conditions who now have health insurance because the Affordable Care Act made that possible. People who now are able to get treatment for their cancers because they no longer have to worry about their lifetime maximum expiring and then literally having to consign themselves to death because they don't have enough money to pay for their medicine. Stop being so conceited and stuck in your own ways and start caring about other human beings. When it comes to politics, I care about other people than myself. 
And I'm tired of hearing people be so stuck in their own politics, so stuck in their own finances that they could care less about the next man. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's AJ's gripes. AJ's gripes. AJ's gripes. AJ's gripes. Hmm. I love to hear you advocating for, I mean, even though you don't know, but I love to hear you advocating for the health professionals. Yeah. I just, man, how did I, or how was I advocating for health professionals in that situation? Well, because, you know, we've been basically the largest proponents in terms of a group of professionals for the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like preventative medicine, man, there's so many people who are dealing with these serious issues because they didn't have the means to go and get a basic checkup, dude. To have a doctor tell you, hey, you're living your life wrong. You need to start making some changes. That's just how I feel, man. And I got I got heated today. I like I really like it's been building up. All of these, you know, a lot of people are running for election in in, in Georgia right now. I guess all over the country for that matter, because you know elections are coming up later this year for a lot of uh, Republican. I mean, um, House of Representative spots and Senate spots, and you know, people are starting to run and put their campaign advertisements on TV, and a lot of Republicans are running on the platform of repealing Obamacare. You're not going to repeal it. Like, there's, what? I think I saw a study today that says some 17 million people who didn't have health insurance before now have health insurance. Or it's more than that. Maybe it was 27 million. It was 27 million, I believe. Um, And, you know, if those 27 million people feel like all of a sudden their health care is in jeopardy, Watch us turn on y'all with the the quickness. Dude, I now have health care that's affordable because of the Affordable Care Act. Hmm. Like as as a a small business owner, because that's what I am. I'm a small business owner. I work for myself. You know, I didn't have health insurance through my job. I didn't have any kind of job subsidizing my health insurance. I was having to pay for it out of pocket. Dude, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. For the rest of it. I now have full coverage, Chris. Right. And my out of pocket, my out of pocket maximum is seven hundred. If I go and fall down some stairs and break everything in my my body, I'm not going to go into debt to be able to take care of myself. And that was one of the things that if I go for the last few years, dude, like because when I broke my ankle, thank God I hadn't aged out of my dad's health insurance. Because that one night I spent in the hospital in surgery cost $36,000. $36,000, Chris. Hmm. Unbelievable. For surgery in a one-night stay. They were charging, I think, the bill when I was, I, like, I got the itemized list of everything they charged me, right? Why were they charging me for gauze? Like, why were the screws that they put in my ankle $200 a piece? Yep. That's, that's unreal. Like $200 for a screw that's essentially a, a steel wood screw that you, you know, you put through, you irradiated so that it doesn't have any bacteria on it. <laughs> like you could have gone to Home Depot and got some screws and put them through an IV light or UV light, excuse me, and put them in my ankle. It would have been the same damn thing. And you charge me $200 for it. 
Like that's un- that's unreal, dude. When when does healthcare become that expensive? And let's be real, had I have done something to to mess my ankle up like that again, thirty six thousand dollars in debt, Chris, that's crushing debt. Yep. That's crush and that's nothing. There are people who have who find out that they have diabetes or something crazy, or they find out that they have cancer and they don't have health insurance. And they're like, I know my mother's cancer medicines and procedures in the four years that she had cancer. I think it was well over a million dollars in treatments. And that's not unusual. Like that's crazy. And what do you tell somebody, you know, in, in previous existing times where oh well you've reached your lifetime maximum we can't treat your cancer anymore i'm sorry that you're gonna die yeah well i mean you know going back to what sparked the whole thing you know it's really just appeal to appeal to public opinion and appeal to mass confusion and misconceptions so all you have to do is throw out buzzwords like, oh, we're going to repeal Obamacare. But, I mean, it's the same situation like we were talking about. I don't know if we talked about it on a podcast or if we were just talking in general, where if someone were to say, oh, yeah, we want to appeal the Affordable Care Act, you might actually get a different reaction yeah. than if someone said, I want to repeal Obamacare. Yeah. Oh, no, you're right. Like, I mean, anytime you say, like, like, for anyone who is a staunch Republican or a staunch conservative and they hate Obama, uh, it's definitely going to elicit a different response. If you say repeal Obamacare, then if you repeal, repeal the American, you know, the, excuse me, the um, Affordable Care Act. A lot of people don't even know what the Affordable Care Act is. Yep. <laughs> That's what's sad to me is you call it Obamacare and they know exactly what you're talking about. You call it the Affordable Care Act or the ACA and they're like, what? Like, Really? Really? You don't know what the ACA is? Exactly. <laughs> and, I mean, a lot of people actually don't know the similarities and differences between the text of the Affordable Care Act and the text of Canada's universal health care law as well. And, and the, I text mean, that's a, the text of the Affordable Care Act versus Canada's universal health care laws. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. oh, my God. First off, it's it's completely different. It's It's not even in the same ballpark. Um, exactly, and it's one. because it's because they could they could never pass anything like what they have in Canada. It would oh no, never, because ever Republicans, because fiscal conservatives uh, are not willing to let someone take money out of their pockets. The wealthier, like, nah, I don't give a shit about the poor. Like, nah, I don't care. And no, you're not going to take any more of the money that I make to actually save people's lives. Like that's so. That's why people like me are needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People yeah, I mean, honestly, dude. For have you ever thought about? Do you think you would ever be the Surgeon General? Nah. You don't think you could do that? Nah, because I mean, that will require me practicing. I mean, it will require me doing basically academic medicine with a 50-50 split practice and research and with the research that I want to do a 50-50 split just isn't enough well I mean if you maintain I mean you're going to 
continue to your ability to be an MD. You're going to continue to to do your continuing education and shit along the way. That's it. So technically, but I mean, but you'll be a doctor. So technically, yeah, but the thing is, the Surgeon General is always a practicing physician. <laughs> so you practice about two years before you become Surgeon General. <laughs> no. I mean, no, once I, you become, I'm, I'm fine with not being Surgeon General because. <laughs> That would effectively end my research program, which would end my usefulness, in fact. <laughs> okay. Um, I get but, that. Because you have to make you have to think on a larger level when you're at that level. Like yeah. I mean, I'm sure when Satcher became Surgeon General, you know, he, he... What you know about David Satcher? <laughs> man, I've met the man like fifteen times. Really? That's awesome. Yeah, like almost every conference that has to do with minorities and STEM He's been there, and I've met him Dude. every time. That's what's up, man. And then man. even when he was at MSM. Yeah. yeah Most people don't even know what, who David Satcher is. Like, they don't even know that name. Yeah. Like, who's David Satcher? Shit, if I know. And you go to other countries, and you say whoever's in the cabinet, and they're like, oh, we know that. Like, we're so naive to politics and who's in office here and I, me included i don't know a lot of the people who's in you know the like i need to be more familiar with uh obama's cabinet and some of the people who are higher up within the uh i mean because they changed they've changed a few of them have you know stepped down and been replaced and oh man you saying that just reminded me of what one of my did you see that's would be and it would what, almost uh, be like a chris's gripes what was it Kathleen Sebelius resigning as the Secretary oh, yeah. of Human Health, Human Health and Services. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was talking about most recently. Yeah, that would almost be a human uh, Chris's gripes type thing, because yeah. the thing is, I mean, obviously she was thrown under the bus for a lot of things that went wrong with the launch of the Obamacare site and everything. Yeah, but it's gone beyond that. And people don't know what she's done in her time in the office. She got rolled over by the fiscal conservatives to basically limit the power of the National Institutes of Health. Yeah. She's the reason why funding rates are so low. She's the reason why new investigators aren't getting the bump that they used to get back in the glory days. She's the reason why it's much more difficult for the research enterprise to be innovative because you have to worry about funding. And so you have to do something that's that's guaranteed to work, basically, instead of doing something that's innovative. And so, in effect, she's the reason why new medications, new surgical techniques, new innovations in medical technologies are not going to come out within the next 15 to 20 years. Hello? Yeah, are you, I'm sorry, I had you on mute. Are you serious? Is it really that long? Like, you think it's going to take that long for us to get to a place where they're allowing a new innovation? Like, because I understand no, no, what no, you're I'm saying. I'm not saying it'll take that long. What I'm saying is the stuff that we're doing now will be yeah. on the market in 15 to 20 years. That's, that's generally the cycle when you're talking about drug yeah. development or medical device development. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is because the stuff that we're doing now is so laissez-faire, it's not it's not very innovative at all. The stuff that's it's gonna going be, to be out is going to be bad. 
Yeah, so it might be another 20, 30 years before we have any real true innovation if things turn around in the next five to 10 years. Exactly. That sucks. Um, yeah, that is a big deal. Uh, and I'm not saying that she's a bad person. What I'm saying is that she didn't have the power to be able yeah, to stand yeah, I, up I, against people. Oh, yeah. I understand what you're saying. And um, that, you know, conservatives, I mean, it's clear that conservatives have been rolling over people since Obama's been in office. They vetoed the majority of the things that he's tried to pass since he's been in office and bullied a lot of people within his administration. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, the, the lack of innovation, like you, like that is a problem when you have to basically say this is foolproof to get funding because a lot of the innovation and a lot of the greatest medical discoveries have come from, you know, someone taking a, a, a chance. Like this is a risk. It's a big risk. It might not work, but if it does, it'll change everything. So as always, man, People who are listening, you can reach me on Twitter at AJ's Meltdown. That's A-J-S-M-E-L-T-D-O-W-N. And at my blog at AJ'sMeltdown.com. Look for the updated website soon. And on Instagram, you can find me at AJ underscore the underscore trainer. Once again, that's AJ underscore the underscore trainer. And on Facebook at backslash train with AJ. All right, you can find me on Twitter, especially, at CGSkeezy, and uh, the blog, thelifeandtimesofthemind.com. And then for the podcast, you can reach us on Twitter and on Instagram, at DudeLogicPod. Uh, Facebook, same name, facebook.com slash DudeLogicPod. Our email address is DudeLogicPodcast at gmail.com. And finally, take a look at our website, www.DudeLogicPodcast.com. You can get all the podcasts there, get AJ's gripes there, get links to everything that's been mentioned on the show, and get some links to some fun things that you can look at around the internet. Check us out, write us, contact us, let us know what you want to have up there. For AJ and for Autumn, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode have a good one wherever you are <laughs>